Welcome in, everybody. What am I doing here? This is fun. Let's go right up here to sad times. My name is Kevin, and uh, my guest, who uh, you heard last week, is about to join us again, but I wanted to welcome you back in to Sad Times. For those of you who have never listened to Sad Times, uh, here's a quick primer. Sad Times is a show in which each week we have a kind and generous guest come on and talk about times that they went through horrible trauma, that they were angry, sad, upset, that they dealt with these things uh, that we all, unfortunately, from time to time have to deal with. And the goal is not to solve the problem. The goal is not to diagnose the problem, nor is it to fix it. It is to simply allow the person to tell their story so that you, uh, listening um, at home or uh, on the banana tree ranch, are able to feel hopefully less alone and maybe uh, open up a little bit about some of the difficult times in your life. So that's Sad Times. You can find us at www.sadtimespodcast.com. Please take note that in this episode, we are going to uh, be speaking about um, sexual abuse. So uh, please take care while listening. And uh, before we get back to our wonderful guest, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to part one uh, with our guest, Katie, please uh, hit pause right now. Go back and uh, and uh, the previous episode and, and give that a listen up to where we are here. Let's do our sponsor this week here. Our sponsor this week is Healthcare Prices. That's Healthcare Prices. Hey, we're the reason that you have to make so many zeros because one bag of fucking saline is $72 million. That's healthcare prices. All right, cool. As always, please support our sponsors by using FAKE at checkout and um, try to get the cheapest saline possible. Okay, here we go. Back to part two with our friend and yours, Katie, Katie, when we last left you first, how are you? I am fabulous. <laughs> Good. When we <laughs> when we last left you, everything was going to shit. Yeah, it was. So let me give a just a quick uh, reminder. At this point, you are um, married, mother of three, and you and your husband have been married for a time. He has joined a motorcycle club. You uh, have started a sewing business. And we'll pick it up there. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of doing my thing. Um, the kids, we had started homeschooling. Um, but because I'm not stupid, uh, we did a public school at home program, which was wonderful. Okay. Um, and in the midst of all of that, um. Tim decided to become really distant and what do you mean um, by really distant? He, he legit would take off for weekends. Um, there were cell phones. We had cell phones, but he would just disappear. Mm. And, um, had no idea of when he was coming back, where he was, is he dead on the highway? I don't know. Um, and it got old. Um, I can imagine so. Yeah, it got old. And, um, so I kind of got sick of it. Um, took the kids and went to my parents' house, which really wasn't a stretch since, um, you know, I mean, the kids were homeschooling. I was able to just, you know, you could go pack up and move parents. the operation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we were about an hour and a half from my mom and dad. So, I mean, it was a drive, but it wasn't cross country or anything. Um, And he was fine with it. He was like, go hang out with your parents. Have a good time. Um, But I had kind of decided something's got to change. It this isn't cool. I am not happy. You're not 
a husband to me. You're not a father to these kids. I could not say that um, and have it be um, received. Uh, so I really didn't know what to do other than to just leave. So okay. I'd been gone for about a week and my parents were aware that things weren't great. Um, unfortunately, he didn't really gel with being around my parents. Um, his parents were very upper middle class, prim and proper. Uh, everything had a place. Um, my parents are this wonderful, chaotic melange of loud. <laughs> <laughs> I love that description. Like, we we genuinely are the original loud family. Um, <laughs> I have to work very hard to not, like, I get excited when I talk. And as you can now see, I can, I talk with my hands. Um, that was not Tim's jam. Like, he did not vibe with that at all and hated holidays with my family, made it abundantly clear that he was being put upon. Mm. Um, so my parents knew there was trouble in paradise, um, but I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was legit drowning. Um, and while it wasn't their first choice. My parents, of course, welcomed us. And um, after about a week of no communication with him, he finally called and I was like, I'm not coming back. And he was like, you're what? Um, I said, some things need to change, you know, and of course I'm trembling as I say this because, oh my God. Um, I said, you need to get some help for your depression. Cause at the time he really was kind of all over the place. Um, he would get manic, he'd get excited about something and then everything sucked. The world sucked. We're all going to die. It's awful. And so now I know it is not depression. It is some sort of bipolar mix, but um or being a I Cubs said, you fan. need to get some help. You need to stop spending so much time at the clubhouse or, you know, you need to spend time at home. Um and what was his response to that? Um fuck you, you don't tell me what to do. And I said, okay. Um, alrighty then. And he didn't ask me to come home. He did not, um, express, I miss you. I miss the kids. He was just mad. Mm. How dare I assert myself? How dare I do this? Just get your ass home. And I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to live in Winnicani with my three little children. It just, it, I was, I didn't and that, know. That is do. your hometown, as, as we recall. It right? is my hometown. Yeah. Um, but I left at 17 to go to college for a reason. Um, no, Dis to Winnicani, um, but it just it, no. <laughs> um, and so after about seven weeks, I came home uh, okay. with the kids. And were you in communication um, with him during? I mean, I know it was it about was a week. Bad. Okay, it was bad. Um, there was he was so mad at me um there was no self-reflection on his part there was no gosh what was my part in her being so upset he was just pissed 
that it that kind of echoes from last week uh, when you talked about it, you. I believe you said that you never won a fight, and there was never even anything. And it wasn't even yeah. about winning the fight. There was never anything from him like, "I see your point. I understand where you're no, coming no. from." Okay. <laughs> no. No. Um. And so the next year, uh, sucked. It sucked. I spent a lot of time groveling. Mm. Um. How do I make this right? How do we work on this? Um, I thought, oh, I know what will fix this. Sex. I will be available to you 24-7, drop of a hat, no matter what. I'm here. I'm here for it. This will fix everything. And as we all know, didn't fix everything um in fact just made me feel like garbage um you know and now this is my husband uh slight revelation he was my first um consensual anyway um and so to me that was huge and you know, you can look at religion any way you want to. You can look at morality any way you want to. But it was huge to me sure. um, that Tim was the only man that I willingly had sex with. Um, and that meant a lot. And had three children with this person. And above and beyond all of that, I loved him with my entire being. Like, I genuinely love this person um now i have a lot more perspective um but it was devastating to see this thing fall apart so drastically and what really struck me was the I've broken this by leaving. He's never going to forgive me. I will carry that shame forever. Like it was all my fault for the infraction of leaving, uh, for questioning his whatever. Um, he was never going to forgive me. And he made that abundantly clear. Um, at one point he moved out. Um, thank God he continued to pay the bills, which was awesome. Um, but it was pretty clear this was it. Like we tried, he, he refused to go to counseling, mm -hmm. um, refused any everything was on his terms like it, it just when we got to see him was on his terms it just everything was the tim show so and at this point were you guys like officially separated or it was just no, like no no there okay. was no no official anything um it was just this sucks um, and I had no idea where he was living. He wouldn't tell me. It was so strained and so tense and so yucky. Mm. Like, I just felt sick. Um, and I lost a ton of weight. Like, I couldn't eat because I just felt like shit 24-7. Do you carry and your stress so, and worry in your in your stomach, or was this more of mental? Uh, it was mental. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was all mental. Um, I, it, you know, I knew that this was not my fault, and yet I was the one who left because I had to because I was going completely bananas. Um, but that he he just gaslit the whole thing like this was you 
you you did this. You're such a doormat. You, you know, it was all my fault. Um, Is it safe to say that, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, in the first episode when we, we spoke about some of the, the, the horrific trauma in your childhood, you talked a lot about how you really, uh, from then on, had really, for a long time, had trouble with boundaries. And it sounds like to me that at this point, when you did move out and went to your parents, you were attempting to put up a boundary, a healthy yeah. boundary, and trying yeah. to say, this is what I need from you in order for me to come back. Yep. And instead of him respecting that boundary, it, it sounds like in your telling that it, it, he did the opposite and that worked because of your issue with setting boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not, I'm not blaming you to say that. I'm just saying that that, that is probably the root of that. Is that, is that fair to say? Totally. Um, yeah, because it solidified in my head, this is what happens when you stick up for yourself, when you do something that's hard, but that you know is right, you get slapped in the face for it. And Again, it was that cognitive dissonance. It was everything that I'm living with feels wrong. And yet when I make the change or, you know, stand up for myself or say this is what I need, I get told, you don't need that. That's there. That's crazy. You're not. That's not something I'm willing to do for you or whatever. And so then it's a self-fulfilling, you know, cycle where it's like, if I stick up for myself, if I, you know, do this, this bad thing happens. Um, and so then it got worse. <laughs> um <laughs> So, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay, I just have to set the stage for everybody. <laughs> One, you're hilarious. Two, um, right before you said, then it got worse. I looked over at Brent, and Brent had a pen in his mouth and was just kind of, you know, producing the show as he does. And then you said, and then it got worse, and Brent just started laughing, and it looked like he had a cigar pen in his mouth, and it was <laughs> hilarious. Anyway, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no, that's fabulous. So. What happened next? Um, you know, you can call it God, you can whatever. Um, but not to drag the story out too far, I was with a friend from church, mm-hmm. and there was a little church that if you cleaned the church, they let you pick apples in the back of the church. Mm. So I was picking apples with my friend, and um had a very strange thing happened to me i walked into one of the church rooms and just started bawling this overwhelming sadness hit me literally like a wave and kind of like huh where did that come from? I mean, yeah, I feel like shit most of the time, but what? Um, so I told her about it and she was like, okay, well, let's pray. And we did. And then finished picking our apples. And I needed to drop off some sewing. But the route that I needed to take took me through a little town called Mukwanago. Mm-hmm. Um which I very rarely drive through, but I drive through this town on my way to Oconomowoc and I see his truck and I'm like, huh? Okay. I needed to tell him something. Um, cause he was supposed to come over for dinner. Uh, and so I whipped my van around and parked near where I thought he might be. And there was like a restaurant and a couple other shops. So I wasn't really sure where he was. So I looked in the restaurant, didn't see him. Right next door to the restaurant was the tattoo place. And big into tattoos, love them. You know, great. 
So I thought, oh, he's probably getting a tattoo. So I walked in there. Well, he wasn't getting a tattoo. But somebody else was. And who? And who? he was standing there next to her. Her. And oh. I was the last human being he thought was going to walk through that door. The look on his face was beyond priceless. <laughs> um, I was very taken aback. Um, told him what I needed to tell him. He introduced me to Sabrina, who is a lovely soul. Wonderful woman. Love her to death. Highly recommend. Um, she looked like she wanted to climb out of her skin. Um, and, you know, now I know why. Yeah. Um, but, like, where he was standing, it was pretty obvious they were friends. Um, to what extent? I, you know, I did not walk in on him having sex with her or anything like that, but he, you could tell there was, there was a bond. Mm. Um, and so I told him what I needed to tell him, walked out of the tattoo place and threw up all over the street. Like I, uh, I melted, like yeah. I just melted. Um, so I kind of knew from the church, uh, experience why I burst into tears because something really horrifically shitty was about to happen. Um, and, uh, drove to the lawyer in, uh, Elkhorn where I lived, um, and said, I ain't got shit for money, but I need your help. Um, and he did. Uh, so I drew up divorce papers and uh, served him. Wow. Yeah. This uh, I'm sorry. Um, sorry to interrupt you. I want to commend you because, again, at the beginning of our first episode, you talked a lot about trouble with boundaries. And... You walked in on a situation that was obviously um, awful uh, for you, yep. and you immediately, it sounds like, went and set a boundary. So I, I commend you for doing that because, God damn, is that not easy, especially <laughs> after you just explained to us for uh, you know the last number of minutes about the way the uh, it was received when you left uh, before. Yeah. Yeah, it was not... Um... But I'll be honest, it it was shit no matter what I did. Like, this, like, divorce did not happen in, like, my parents are still married. Yeah. I mean, they may want to murder each other. <laughs> they are certainly not going to divorce each other. You know, it's just like, you just did it. And was that and, also something in the church? It was like that oh just doesn't. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like. Yeah, no, you worked it out. Um, but what, like, I was literally between Scylla and Charybdis. I was between shit and shit. Like, it was introduce divorce into my children's life. Like, this is a horrific situation I'm now about to put them through. We're getting divorced. I'm doing this. Or flip side of that, I stay in this horrible relationship. I give the message to my children that this is what a daddy is. This is what a father is. This is how a father treats his children and treats his wife. So I'm no matter what. Yes. So between shit and shit, which I think is the exact way to say it. I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> that is like the most impossible, it seems to me, one of the most impossible decisions one a parent would have to make. 
Yeah. And I think you really laid it out very well there about what the two situations were. Um, how long did it take you? Not how long. Um, how long were you? Did, were you pretty sure pretty quickly which which direction you were going to go? Um, as soon as I met Sabrina, um, yeah, I was like, dude, all you had to do was tell me I don't pick you anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. It would have been crushing, but living in that nebulous state of not knowing where you stand, not knowing um, how this person feels about you, you know, this person that you swore to love and withhold, you know, uphold and till death do you part, you know, you, you promise those things. And then when that person doesn't pick you anymore, it's awful. But what's worse is living in limbo. Yeah. Is not knowing. Is he coming back around? Is he gonna like me again? And then, you know, having these little people that rely on you for their everything. um, It it was awful. It was so awful. And, you know, my family helped me get through it. To the best they could. Um, but I instantly had to get a job. And these sure. kids had to go to school. And how old were your kids? Uh, how old was your was, oldest? Okay, so Liam was nine. Wow, okay. Trinity was seven or eight. And Aslan was like five. Wow. Yeah, it was it was rough. And then you add in, you know, Liam had a rough time. Um school was not great. And um yeah, it was bad. Like he I don't know how much of it was the home situation making his coping skills worse. Um, but putting him into school, they just chucked him into a regular class because we didn't have a diagnosis at that time. We just knew something was different. Like he, he hit all the milestones physically. He, everything was great. But Liam was a little different. And, um, you know, think Sheldon Cooper, like just really smart but socially awkward yeah um and couldn't cope with change so here i am throwing a great big bucket of change at him as Um, a reminder for everybody uh from the first episode liam would go on to become um diagnosed with asperger's is that correct yes yes um so i get a job the kids go to school and the divorce proceeds along. Um, so right now, a normal human being, or at least a more well-balanced, um, insightful, wise person would take time and reflect and mourn the loss of their marriage. Um, I was not insightful. I did not mourn. I was going 90 miles an hour with blinders on. Um, And all I knew was I need someone. I need a daddy for these kids. I 
want a partner who is going to be nice to me, um, who might actually think about my needs. Um, and so I barreled along ahead, um, into a new relationship and like the ink on the divorce wasn't even dry and my husband and I were off or my fiance were off to Vegas uh, to get married. Whoa. Okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay. I just have <laughs> I, a couple questions. <laughs> basically, I just want to recap and make sure I heard that right. Um, and not it, it, because all of a sudden we were in Las Vegas. Um, Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, wouldn't it? Uh, so, uh, the divorce proceeds, you, instead of taking a step back, you decide to start dating again. You meet someone, all of a sudden you're engaged, you're in Las Vegas. Is that, is that right? Yep, that about sums it up. Now, um, when you went to Vegas, <laughs> did you do anything with marriage or just play the slots? We got married. Okay, there we go. We got married. Wow, Okay. Um, yeah, did not let any moss grow on that rock. We just rolled her along. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it, it was so stupid. Um, like, I did not give myself any time to process. Like I said, no time to mourn. I needed a daddy for these kids. Um, and, I knew it Tim wasn't going to be it. Like he he didn't give two shits about these kids when we were married. It he certainly was not going to be there for them after the divorce. Sure. You know, it just if it didn't happen when it was convenient and they were in your house if it becomes the slightest bit inconvenient it's also not going to happen. Um, so went on Yahoo Personals, <laughs> and that's how I uh, met Brent. Yeah, good choice. So that yeah, no, I'm just kidding. And, uh, that's not how I met. Brent. So what I did is I set up a profile, um, put a one hour radius away from my house. Okay, a ten year, um age difference like within that 10 years so i was like 37 38 something like that and so um really didn't want to be a cougar but <laughs> you know beggars can't be choosers uh so i threw it out there and quite literally the first guy i met was roger and so i said Okay, this will work because I, the thought of dating, yuck, like, no, thank you. Um, he seemed nice enough. He was clean. He smelled good. He <laughs> had a job and more to the point had children. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, really hit all the boxes. Um, he was very, you know, daddy oriented. Um, he's 10 years older than me and lived exactly on the border of where my cutoff mileage wise was. So it was oh, like, wow. He's just right on the outer it, reaches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't want to hold the Illinois thing against him. Um, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but he was born in Miami. So, uh, you know, he Miami, Florida. Yeah, he was born in Miami. Hey, Brent, you'd be nice. Uh, sorry, Brent, just just don't make me call you a fib. No. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, for anybody who's listening at home, that means fucking Illinois bastard. That's what uh, Wisconsin refers to people from Illinois. So. <laughs> No, we don't care. <laughs> no, that's right. I don't know if anybody heard. Brent said we don't have a nickname for people from Wisconsin because we don't care. <laughs> uh, so, 
you guys get married. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you move, uh, you had a house, right? Didn't you get the house uh, in the divorce? Yeah, yeah. That that was fabulous because we were so timely. We decided at the best possible time to sell a house. 2008. Ooh, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. That was so great. Um, Yeah, it was the worst. So, like... For those young people, 2008, the market took a complete shit and like everything. It was not good. Related, bottomed out, and it it just was a shit show. So, um, in the divorce, I basically rolled over. I shouldn't say rolled over because I didn't want anything. Like I said, keep your truck. Keep your motorcycle, keep your 401k, keep your shit. I don't want it. Just leave me the house because the kids need a place to live. Um, and he graciously granted me that. And um, so, like, we truthfully, we had a very amicable divorce. Like, once, once the line was drawn in the sand, like, this is happening. Um, it we were civil like we it just okay you you okay this is happening um and so i did get to keep the house so once i married roger um he lived in illinois i lived in right across the border in wisconsin his place was much nicer than mine mine was a hundred year old farmhouse i mean it was a nice house it had a roof um it's oh, a start <laughs> <laughs> and running water um so i sold my house and i after the end of the sale i got 75 dollars out of my house um like that that was the quote-unquote profit from that the house. was the profit yep i got a whole 75 dollar um did you buy one criterion collection blu-ray with that <laughs> <laughs> I think I bought a tank of gas, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. All right. So, so God, that's horrible. Um, yeah, it does suck. But um, Roger's townhouse was nice. The kids settled in. Um, Liam freaking loved his room. Like he, to this day, talks about that room. Like it was, he loved his room. Um, so everything is kind of swimmingly going along, so to speak. Uh, kids are settling in. Tim gets the kids every other weekend. Roger and I are getting to know each other because we'd only known each other about six months. Wow. Yeah. Um, what I did discover is that Roger snores like a freaking freight train. <laughs> and, um, it became increasingly difficult to sleep. Oh. Um, and so my nightly glass of wine began to turn into my nightly bottle of wine. Um, and that helped me sleep okay so uh i'm gonna stop you right there katie we are gonna take a break in this episode um again i uh, at great personal expense i've hired the hysteria 51 orchestra so they're gonna play us into this break and then we'll pick right back up um uh where we left off okay all right let's go with that uh, take it away oh katie's dancing take it away orchestra there it goes oh Hell yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. I mean, I'm talking, Katie. I mean, $10,000. I was going to leave that to my not children, but no, now I. Uh, I'm sure your I, not children won't miss it. Yeah, for uh, the Hysteria 51. Thank you, fellas, ladies, everyone. Really great. All right, everybody shuffle out. 
great. There's Ooh, there's a lot of people in that orchestra. Okay, so when we left before we had the lovely uh, orchestra playing, you said that you went from a glass of wine a night to a bottle of wine a night, and at first it was because your hu- your new husband snored like a freight train, and that was a way that you could get to sleep. Yeah. Um. So that kind of continued on, um, and. Then, uh, in the midst of all of this, Roger lost his job, and uh, Jesus, Christ. that was not great. No, um, so because at that point I was still able to keep sewing. It was a much longer haul to deliver my stuff, but uh. Still made it work, um, but I certainly was not paying the bills. The so not great, and he feverishly was trying to find something else. Um, and we were kind of down to our last nickels. Um, we had borrowed some money from his mom, mm-hmm. and then Freddie Mac swooped in. Um, and gave him a job. However, uh, that meant to move to Virginia. Which is, uh, you're in Virginia right now as we're recording, I correct? am in Virginia right now. Okay. Um, so while it was an amazing blessing that, uh, you know, he was then gainfully employed. Yes. Um, it meant losing my family or contact with my family on the regular. Um, my church group, mm. my business, um, my everything. And, you know, it was exciting because I had never lived outside of, you know, just over the border of Wisconsin. Um and so it was exciting, but also terrifying. And so they packed us up lock, stock, and barrel, moved us here to Virginia. Uh, the only caveat was, in the midst of all this, uh, Roger's 95-year-old mom was going to move in with us. Uh, uh, someone <laughs> I'd never met. <laughs> you Okay, so you'd never met his mother. I mean... I you nope. did say that you'd only known each other for about six months, so I guess uh, it 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 makes sense that you wouldn't have met her yet. But you're also learning that she's going to move in with you. Yeah, as you're yep. moving across the country. Yep, that was the stipulation because unfortunately, she's kind of burnt most of the bridges with other family members, and um, nobody else wanted her. <laughs> Um, she, you know, God bless her soul, um, was a scooch difficult. Um, and so in the midst of all of this, move across country, start life anew with this new person, my kids in tow. Um, now there's this person in my house um i had zero time to process any of it i didn't process the divorce i didn't process the remarriage i didn't process any of this um and all of the demons all of everything just rose up and took over um i started drinking very heavily um and i i think it is worth reiterating really fast here again the the brief time frame and the amount of change that that was thrown at you yeah uh so you lost your husband you married a new one you lost your house uh, you sold it and made a profit of seventy five dollars. <laughs> uh, you moved. You bought a Blu-ray of Criterion. I'm just kidding. Uh, you moved across the country <laughs> and then you lost 
contact, regular contact with your family in Wisconsin, with your church, and, and you know, so all of your support group. Well, gone. yeah, technology allows us to be able to speak yeah. with them, but they're gone. It, it, yeah. And, and so all of that stuff, along with everything else that you have told us that, that, that you have uh, withstood during your life, um, it's just so much at once. And I just wanted to really point that out, how arduous that must have been. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, but, you know, people flippantly talk about the boiled frog theory. Um, while it has been debunked, you can't boil a frog. Um, and the theory... You heard it here first. Yeah, right. Breaking news. Um, the idea behind it is very, very true. Mm-hmm. As you are gradually exposed to things, they do normalize. They do become um, okay in gradually increasing doses of what wouldn't have been okay if somebody smacked you with it initially. But once you get so far down that rabbit hole uh, it's okay you know you just you just keep swimming you just keep swimming and i did not realize how overwhelmed and just out of my depth didn't know who i was didn't know like i I was divorced. How the hell did that happen? Right. You know, it just was so, but there was no time for those kind of moments of realization because it was this whirlwind of got to get a job, got to get the kids to school, got to this, got to that, got to, you know, it was got to survive. Gotta, gotta make survive, sure my kids you know? are surviving. Yeah. Like right. you feel like you're legit out in the ocean treading water. And if you stop moving, you're done. You've drowned. And honest to God, you really can only tread water for so long before you're just done. Um, and that's what happened to me. Like I took well, a job. So, you, so I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, uh, your how long? Um, your mother-in-law is living with you, and yes. you said she was a scotch difficult. I believe is how you said it. Yeah, yeah, um, she was a little tough. So you guys are settling in, mm-hmm. and you took a job. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to kind of bring it all in. No, 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 no. So I took this job. Um. And she very shortly thereafter died, um, which was indeed sad, but she was 95. So we kind of give it that. Um, So I took a job. Okay. And I'm going to kind of gloss through some of it because it could go on for a long time but there was an inappropriate relationship at this job um it started out very much like other inappropriate relationships at work um my boss uh was inappropriate and um I did not have boundaries. And because this was my boss, it had to be okay. Even though I knew it wasn't. Um, And that inappropriate relationship took a very nasty turn, let's just say. Um, Raj found out about it and was most displeased. As one would be. Um... I was disgusted with myself for not 
being a better person like what the fuck like but it legit just like he was a comforting soul he listened to me he was this that and the other thing and whatever it was it was wrong um and i 1000% own that um and so then that job ended uh so you pile on top of child sexual trauma eating disorder divorce uh disassociation with family and friends feeling completely isolated trying to do my best for my children drinking far too much and now there's adultery um so i was feeling like a super great person um i legit was not in a good place um so i took another job and can i ask uh, a a quick question how how soon into being at virginia did you uh leave that job to take another job I worked there for about a year and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. So this was, okay. So the, the second job that I took, um, the kids were older. So like Liam and Trinity were in high school. Okay. Um, and this one had the, all the trappings of, wow this is this is really good um it was a uh, a non-profit wing of a company what we were supposed to do was be a community resource center for members of our community to get computer skills um Mm -hmm. um, where i live in virginia is predominantly hispanic so there's a lot of um you know we wanted to be here to help people get jobs and work on their resumes and all that kind of do-gooder stuff um and the owner of the company uh was a christian and a stand-up guy and so i was like this is this is good this is really good um you know my life is completely falling apart and you're still and you're still drinking a lot oh god yeah Mm -hmm. every night um and like i had said at one point um i was drinking about two bottles probably a little more a day and train for a marathon. Um, it's just fucking insane. <laughs> to this day, I still like, huh? <laughs> I have no idea how you did that. Yeah, don't recommend. Yeah. Do not recommend. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, drank a lot. Um, so I feel like garbage, but this is going to be a great company. We're going to do good. And... Then you kind of peel behind the mask and um, the owner of the company uh, decided to start groping me um, inappropriately. (sighs) Now, you're thinking, your average person would know that you don't do that but i swear to god predators can smell prey or someone without boundaries or someone they can smell you a mile away i just like what in the but um so he would do incredibly inappropriate things like i'm sitting in the office and he would instant message me um and ask me to lean farther forward uh to um what 
yeah, to um, show him body parts. Um, and it devolved to watching him masturbate. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, what the fuck do you do with that? Um, what a really wise person would have done is to report that asshole to the authorities and take the video that's on your computer to authorities. What I did was not that. Um, I decided to burn my life down. Um, the reason that I didn't do that was because people relied on this man for their livelihood. If I took him down, I was taking down 40 or 50 people and their livelihood. My children worked at this company oh part-time. Um, so that was their job. If I had burnt this to the ground, it would have been on my head. So can I want to say something, too. Um, a moment ago, you said, oh, what would a normal person do? They, I don't know if normal was the word. <laughs> they would go to the authorities. I, I just want to step in and say, you should not... Not should not. I... There is no reason to beat yourself up over this is, is kind of what I wanted what to I say. <laughs> but you did. Uh yeah. No, I I I realized that. Now um God, hindsight is a bitch. Cause it's like you look back on this and you're like, what what the fuck are you doing? What? Um but what I did was I would walk home at lunch, get wasted, go back to work, trying to get fired. Um, because if I got fired, because I couldn't quit, like I couldn't quit. So I needed to throw a hand grenade at my wife. Um, and I did, uh, my family was pretty disgusted with me at this point. Um, like, you need to quit drinking. And I was like, you need to not tell me what to do. Um, do you mean your husband and, or were your kids telling oh, you yeah. that too? Uh, yeah, my kids were just kind of, they were not a huge fan of Roger um, for various reasons. But, they didn't know what to do. And so in 2015, when I was unceremoniously fired from this job, I was ordered to go to rehab. Um, and I did. So I went to rehab. Uh, actually, so Katie, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. And we're going to go ahead and wrap up for this week. Um, and then we're going to finish your story, uh, in, uh, a third episode. Wait. And, uh, before we wrap up, thank you again, again, uh, this is another part of your life that again is full of, uh, difficulties, adversities, and I really appreciate you coming on and the strength that, and that you're showing by, by sharing this, um, it's really wonderful. So thank you very much. Thank you. And um, we will see you next week. And then for everybody else, um, as I always try to say, please remember that there's always room for kindness and grace. Even to yourself, there's always room for kindness and grace. And we will see you next time on Sad Times. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.